Hello, welcome to Midwestern Fins. Taylor and I are both glad that you're here. Uh, Taylor, of course, is my co-host, and I am Haggy, your other host. So we've got a great, great podcast lined up for you. But first, we wanted to talk about the most important thing to us both, and that's our Charity of the Week. Heck yeah, love Charity of the Week. Absolutely. It is, it's really great. Uh, finding these different charities and bringing awareness and uh, and whenever we do have guests again uh, it's great hearing their stories about it uh, usually they all have a personal connection with a certain charity and I know that's Taylor's favorite thing in the world so love it well you know charity wise not obviously he loves his wife and kids more but <laughs> you know what we mean uh, so without further ado this week's charity of the week is called Operation Gratitude so with Veterans Day having come and gone, I chose this one, um, you know, to help or to as a kind of a reference to that. Um, so what Operation Gratitude does is they create care packages for uh, deployed military people as well as veterans and first responders. Whoa. And I'm 90 five percent sure that i got one when i was deployed from them they have like personal handwritten letters in it and just various goodies so that sounds legitimately absolutely amazing it is absolutely amazing and you know what taylor what's that this had this charity has a perfect score on charity navigator whoa like 100 a 100 Yes. Which, if you guys don't know much about Charity Navigator, it like it basically tells you which charities are legit or not. There's not a lot of charities with a perfect score, but this one has a perfect score. Dude, that makes me so incredibly happy. I'm really yeah. happy you found that. That's that's it's so cool seeing that because we've all experienced you know like so much negativity and I don't want I don't want to keep using that word but it feels like it just describes everything so well where people take advantage of certain situations like charities and the likes of them so that they can make more money than they deserve and seeing a charity with 100% score means that everything 100% that is donated to that charity goes straight to the people in need which also means that it's highly likely, likely that everyone involved with that charity is a volunteer, which is even more awesome to me. Absolutely. So, nice score, Heggy. And uh, it was uh, Operation Gratitude, correct? Correct. Uh, where, can we, they, where can we find Operation Gratitude? Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. No worries. Um, you could find them at OperationGratitude.com, and they have just celebrated... Uh, impacting the lives of 3 million military and first responders. Yes. Yes, that is so cool. And I know that we've all said it, Haggy. Thank you for your service. But we at Midwestern Fins, Haggy and I, have the utmost, utmost respect for every former, current, and future servicemen and women out there. So thank you all from the bottom of my heart. And from Midwestern Fins, thank you for all that you do. Um, yes, I a hundred percent agree with everything Taylor said, but if 
you're not Air Force, I will talk shit. But you know what's up. You know what's up. Um, but yes, yeah, so they actually have a ticker on here. It's 3,034,453 care packages sent since 2003. Wow. That's yeah. so cool. Absolutely. And again, that's operationgratitude.com. We'll end up posting a link with the episode and in the episode description. Nice. Um, while we're here, um, I feel like this is a good transition zone. So lately, I've been considering rejoining my local fire department as a volunteer mm-hmm. firefighter. Um, when I was 20 years old, I joined with my best friend, Matt, at the time, whose dad was the police chief and still is. So he's been the police chief and lead, or not police chief, sorry, fire chief. Um, been the fire <laughs> chief. I don't know why I said that. He's been the, the, the fire chief for a long time. And I joined them. And then uh, when I blew out my knee the second time, it was a lot more difficult for me to start doing those things. And then, of course, having children and going to school and working so much, it was hard for me to uh, basically be there for them. So I kind of resigned, retired, whatever you want to say. But now that I'm kind of more at home, um, the kids are in school, they're a little bit older. I've been thinking about it and I'm excited for the opportunity because I think they would probably welcome me back with open arms. But uh, the main reason why I wanted to, and this was like a whole transition phase. So crazy South Dakota weather. Just a few days ago, we had a wildland fire near my house and some of my friends got evacuated and it could have been really bad because we had 71 mile an hour per mile per hour winds recorded and this fire was just ripping through. Well, within a few hours of this wildland fire starting, it started to snow and that helped a lot to put it out. So if you guys still think that crazy weather doesn't exist or that there's not climate change or how I don't want to talk about it too much. But in South Dakota, you can have a wildland fire one day and snow the next. Did I lose you, Heggy? Oh. Heggy, you there? Can you hear me now? I can hear you now, Haggis. Okay. That was weird. Yeah, it was okay. I sang the Jeopardy theme song. I, I was able to hear you. I don't know why you weren't able to hear me. Oh, okay. Well, fair enough. I feel like I, I feel like I ended on a good point. You did. So. Um, no, I think it. I think that'd be awesome. Uh, you know, as long as you, as long as your knee can hold up. You know what I mean? Like, I'd hate for that to hinder you too much. But if I can hold up, then by all means, man, that'd be pretty awesome. Yeah. So I'm going to talk to my wife about it and see what she thinks, and then kind of go from there. But it's the opportunities there, and I think that's uh, exciting for me. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, I don't want to hold you guys too much on Midwestern talk. We kind of wanted to do a shorter episode this week. So I think everybody that is a Miami Dolphins fan and listens to Midwestern fins has got to be absolutely buzzing 
about the team that we've been watching the last five weeks. So, Haggy, what are your thoughts? That first thought that comes to your head when you think of the Miami Dolphins that are now six and three and a half a game behind in the AFC East. I really like what the defense is doing. Like, they, for the most part, I mean, Kyler Murray got a big bomb on us on it, but for the most part, we've taken away, like, the empty set. Like, and we've been able to confuse quarterbacks. I know Kyler Murray's not that experienced, but, I mean, we messed up Jared Goff. We messed up um, Justin Herbert. Like, I've really appreciated how our defense has been, and we are creating turnovers, which is awesome. Um, I mean, and I'm not just saying that because the Dolphins are on my fantasy teams, but um, that's what I really have liked so far. I think the offense has been a little pedestrian, but that's okay. Uh, it's hard to go from uh, gunslinging Ryan Fitzpatrick to uh, careful with the ball to uh, um, which, by the way, I think he got lucky quite a bit last game. It's going to probably come off in, to a lot of criticism. In, but In theory, he's legitimately thrown three interceptions. Um, one was dropped uh, this last week. One went right through a defender's hands this last week. And then one was actually caught on the sideline on a throwaway two weeks ago. Um, but the defender was out of bounds at the time. So I, I would say if you were a quarterback metric guy, um, Tua has had a few, minimum of three interceptable balls. Mm-hmm. Even, and... the one that, uh, even the one that Gesicki dropped um, against the Cardinals, that was an interceptable ball as well. Um, mm-hmm. I don't he know how to quite grade. a bit behind him, too, yeah, I don't, which is why I, I don't dropped how... it. Yeah, I don't know how to grade those because we look at as doll, as football fans in general. If a quarterback is willing to throw a 50-50 ball to his receiver, that's usually a pretty good sign. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that those are hard to see. So um, careful with the ball to a so far, I think has been good. And I think you're correct when you say that. However, we've seen a couple times where you can see his uh, inexperience coming in. Like normally when you throw out of bounds, you throw it farther than one yard out of bounds. You know, like if you're going to throw it down the pipes, maybe he trusted his arm strength. Maybe that was Fitzpatrick coming out in him when he gunned that ball down the middle of the field. Um, that went through the defender's hands. That might be one that he trusted his arm, which is what we want, right? And then the other one might have just been an inaccuracy thing or the route wasn't there. So we're not an analytics podcast. We don't really talk about that, but I get where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. But in in all that, like his inexperience, I mean, that's, that's honestly, that's something that like, he's a rookie. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, yeah. He's going to he's going to look like this for a while and it's going to be OK. But so and everyone's well, actually everyone's raving about how good he is right now. So I'm not actually worried about people starting to turn on him yet. Well, but I, let me say this while we're here. If the Dolphins were not three and out, the criticism on Tua would be through the roof. 
Oh, yeah. So that goes to show that even though quarterback wins is not a stat, that is the one that is weighted heaviest when it comes to quarterback criticism. Oh, yeah. That's why everyone's like, oh, Tom Brady is the greatest ever. He's not, guys. Like, relax. (laughs) Yeah, got smacked by the Saints two weeks ago. Which was great, but... So, I guess since you started off with uh, analyzing the defense and then we kind of moved to offense, I only have one topic I want to talk about on offense before we move back to defense, if you want to cover that quick. Go for it. I have been pounding the table since we started this podcast that the Miami Dolphins need to establish the run. And I still don't feel like that's happening even with running backs that we feel should be able to accomplish that task. So the Dolphins just released Jordan Howard. He cleared waivers somehow, which I don't know if that's like a common thing. And maybe he's going to get signed to the practice squad. He might be too old, but if that's the case, then the Dolphins made a smart decision. We'll see. I don't think. I don't think he's too old because I'm 99% sure Matt Moore is on the Chiefs practice squad. Okay. Because well, then it's that's COVID fair. Right. So that's fair. So if the Dolphins signed Jordan Howard to the practice squad, I think that was a great decision by them. Um, mm-hmm. I know that the reports were that it was mutual, which is fine. I bet Jordan Howard was really upset that he wasn't getting a lot of carries. And obviously his yards per carry weren't very high. However, the first four games of the season, he only got the ball on third and short situations. And uh, then goal the goal and, line, yeah. Goal and short situations. So those yardage stats could be skewed one way or the other. But we obviously saw that he was Kalen Balogish. I don't know how to explain it. His yards per carry was weak. But yep. the Dolphins as a whole, regardless of what running backs bad back there, including running quarterback scrambles, including Fitzpatrick starting the first few games. The yards per carry average on the Dolphins have been has been very bad. Yep. Very bad. Now, normally this would come out of me saying, hey, you know, this is 100% on the offensive line. However, I also understand as an offensive lineman when I played football, and that was that's what I watch a lot, it's really mm-hmm. difficult to improve in both areas of being a run blocker and a pass blocker at the same time. And Mm -hmm. if there was any complaint that Dolphins fans, coaches, other NFL teams noticed, um, sports analysts talking about on TV was how many sacks and quarterback pressures and how many different pockets collapsed and everything that happened during the pass game that the offensive line struggled with. And as far as I'm concerned, the offensive line is tenfold better than last year at pass blocking. So I'm not going to be too upset. However, that means that the next step, we're 10 games in the season, 10 weeks in the season with the bye week. With that being said, they need to start to establish the run or when it comes to playoff time. And I'll talk about this when we get to defense. When it comes to playoff time, the Dolphins aren't going to be able to compete because they're not going to be able to run three plays and get a first down. And I think we saw that this week with the criticism of Chan Gailey, even though we are up, he was doing his conservative play called, which is 
the in theory the correct way to go mm-hmm. the dolphins weren't able to execute that right and that comes to establishing the run game so that's where i'm at i think that the dolphins have running backs in place that can succeed but they need to be able to get it done no i 100 percent agree um couple notes uh speaking of chan gailey and that stuff i posted a tweet where it said that we ran a draw play on second and long with Patrick Laird with under a minute left. Hashtag fire Flores. Joke, guys. <laughs> Chill out. If you read it. It. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you guys. You think that's real. But. um, And then also with the running game stuff or the, what the offensive line stuff that you're talking about. Um, I know that analysts like Mina Kimes were, was, or she was under a lot of fire because like she was saying that the Dolphins offensive line wasn't very good, which again, much better than it was last year, like you said, in pass blocking, but they're not really much better in run blocking and they're not really great in run blocking. So a lot of people aren't really looking at that besides like analysts and so, you know, that's fans for you, I guess. I don't know. Shoot. Yeah. You know what I'm trying to get at. Yes, definitely understand. So um, I think that's enough on- offensive talk for me just because I feel like I'm going to get frustrated if we keep talking <laughs> about it. Um, I, I don't blame you. So you you started off our conversation when I asked you how you felt about the Dolphins right now. And you said that you loved what this defense is doing. You want right. to let us in on what you what you love about it? So what I like is that they're making big plays, right? They're getting forced fumbles. They're getting interceptions. They're confusing the quarterbacks, right? And Agba's having a good time rushing the passer, which it's mostly, I feel like, on blitzing situations. But, hey, you know, I mean, you got to do what you got to do, which is why I think we should get another edge rusher probably first our first first round, maybe our second one, either or. But there are some things about this defense that I don't really like. What I don't really like about this defense is that we're still giving up like a good amount of points per game for the most part. And well, hold on, we're number five in the NFL right now, points per game. Well, sure. Okay, so the Jets defense, like, or the Jet shutting out the Jets really helps skew our average, right? But the Chargers scored 21 on us. The Cardinals scored, like, what, 30 on us? I wouldn't be able to tell you exact numbers, but somewhere around there, yeah. Right. So the um, – okay, here I can bring this stuff up. L.A. scored 17. It's pretty good. Cardinals scored 31. Chargers put up 21. Uh, obviously, the Jets, nothing. Uh, the 49ers, it was pretty good. They only put up 17, but they had an injured Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, the Seahawks put up 31 on us. Uh, Bills and Patriots in the 20s. Jaguars in, was 13, right? Yeah. So, like, so about half and half. Half the games are above 17. The other half are not. Well, it's quite a bit are above 17. Or more than half, I think, actually. Anyways, that's not the main point of that. Um. Actually, no, you're about right. You're right. It's about 
it's about half and half. But what's also happening is we're getting a lot. We're giving up a lot of yards, right? And it's, yes, it's fine because we're making these big plays that are getting these stops. But overall, like that's not great for us. That's something we need to tight tighten up. And I mean, we had Kalen Balaj running all over us. I felt like that he was anyway. Like he was he getting some a, good runs on us. He was getting conversions when he really shouldn't have. Or yeah. you know, it felt like if he was running the ball for the Dolphins, he didn't stand a chance to get a first down on third and seven. Right. And it ended up happening. And it's interesting that you talk about that because one point I wanted to bring up was that even though the Chargers were down, they ran the ball. Like the Chargers used the running game to try to close the gap in the lead because they were capable of establishing the run. Mm-hmm. Which is, I feel like every team that plays with the lead needs to be able to establish the run. And the Dolphins have had the lead a lot this year. I think that they've had at least three games where they've had 21 point lead in the first half or something similar to that. And they still can't establish the run. Like it's, it's something that should be a defining moment for a championship team should be able to go and run the ball in the second half to control the clock and not force your defense to be on the field so much. Mm -hmm. I agree. So, but that's my qualms with the defense. Um, Like our secondary is playing pretty great. Nick Needham's hot or cold in the slot. X and Byron Jones are doing great. Eric Rowe is my my goodness, he's fantastic. Eric Rowe's transition to safety was one of the best coaching decisions I think the Dolphins have made in the in last ten years. Like that's something that I've been really excited to see. And the reason why it's been so exciting is because we saw Bobby McCain go from being touted as one of the best nickel corners in the game. I think that was like a common thing across the board. I think a lot of people referenced Bobby McCain as being a phenomenal slot corner. Yep. He went to free safety, and I, I personally don't think that I notice a player playing poorly more than I see Bobby McCain. Now, maybe he's doing a lot of intangibles that we don't see. Maybe he is the captain of the defense. Maybe he's the one that gets everybody set up. He's the one that's controlling the idea that Xavier Howard's going to be put in the right position to make a play. And those things can't be replaced on the field. Don't get me wrong. Because we're used to seeing guys like um, middle linebackers. Rashad Jones. Oh. Yeah, we're used to that direction. We are used to seeing Jeremiah Bell and Rashad Jones. Those guys lay the wood. Those guys make plays in the backfield. Those guys make blitzes. Those are the guys that hit tight ends down the middle of the field. Bobby McCain's not that kind of safety. Right. And maybe maybe since we're used to those safeties, which is why we see Bobby McCain as such a different player. Right. But what I was trying to get at is we're used to seeing linebackers being the captain of the team. The first person that comes to my head is Luke Keekley. When Luke Keekley was playing middle linebacker for the Panthers, that dude knew what play was going to be ran by the mm-hmm. opposing team's offense before it was ran. Yep. And I think that maybe, maybe that's what Bobby McCain's doing. 
which is great. And if that's the case, then maybe my criticism for him is too harsh. But right away, like week one or week two against the Bills, he gave up a horrendous touchdown. Mm-hmm. Absolutely horrendous. Um, we watched highlights of him not hustling to the ball or hustling with his teammates while the team was running back a fumble return or trying to do something. And maybe it's because he's 50 yards down the field, but he was just standing there. And I think that's kind of a, I think that's a critique that would be fair for us to have. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if the Brian Flores work ethic, you know, standpoint needs to happen, then those situations should have never happened. Yep. And, and like he'll, He'll make interceptions. He's a deep ball safety. Um, so he'll like, you know, I've seen sometimes where he just kind of comes out of nowhere and picks it off like from out deep. But honestly, I feel like I almost feel like he should be a little bit closer more overall to be more effective because he's really just kind of, you know, back there. And that's yeah. why I like seeing I, I like seeing Brandon Jones on the field which happens, I'm sure that it's probably like a big nickel type situation. But I'm hope, I'm, I've am hope i seen some pretty good hits from him. I'm hoping that as he gets more like game time, he gets more experience, and he's going to be able to take over that spot from Bobby McCain. Because I know that he's a ball hawk as well, but he just hasn't been put in that role yet. You know? Yeah. So I, I do, we'll see how that uh, goes. Yeah, I, I might be mistaken now just because of Christian Wilkins' absence this last week against the Chargers. Raekwon Davis started and played phenomenal. Maybe I'll talk about that in a second. But if I remember correctly, Brandon Jones has actually received the most snaps out of any rookie so far this season, which is really cool to see. I think so. He's being utilized quite a bit. And it seems like just about every game we see him lay the wood on someone, which is always Mm -hmm. exciting. Love to see it. Yeah. So uh, I guess what I want to get back to is I said Raekwon Davis was a beast. I don't pay attention a lot to PFS scores. I think they're overrated. Mm -hmm. But he was the highest rated rookie this last week and the highest rated interior defensive lineman in the entire NFL. And mind you, that includes an Aaron Donald. Yep. So... This most recent week, Raekwon Davis was the best defensive tackle in the game. And Haggy and I talked about this last week, how excited we were that Raekwon Davis is on our team and how excited Brian Flores was that he was available when he drafted him. Mm-hmm. Raekwon Davis is on the cusp of being great. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that we can all be really excited about. I think how well Emmanuel Ogba has been playing is overshadowing that especially since Christian Wilkins is also on our team. Mm-hmm. But if we can get those guys together and we get a healthy Devon Godshaw back, this defensive line might be where you want it to be. Or at so, least close. So for me, um, okay, well, so one thing that I kind of noticed, right? If you think about last year, like early on in the season, we're like, man, Christian Wilkins isn't, isn't quite what we expected him to be. But kind of about this time of year, he started putting everything together and he started building up momentum. That's kind of what we're seeing from uh, from Davis as well. So what I'm thinking is 
is that we have a good defensive line coach <laughs> that's helping them help our guys put things together, which is great. And I think, I think, like you said, with those three, and then also um, Siler, who just signed an extension to go to 2023, he's been doing a pretty good job recently too. He's been catching my eye. Um, so I'm I think I brought him up. I think what personally what we should do in the draft next season, right? I want to like really solidify our defense. This is me personally, right? So first off with our highest pick that we got, if possible, we should pick up that middle linebacker from Penn state because he's great. Micah Parsons. Yep. I don't think that there's a player and I, I, I maybe it's just because we've been, I've been reading timeline on Twitter so much. But the way Micah Parsons has been playing, he might be the exact player that the Dolphins need. So if he's available whenever we draft and the Dolphins don't pick him, it's almost like missing out on Roquan Smith or uh, I can't remember the middle linebacker that the Ravens snatched from us, right? C.J. Mosley. C.J. Mosley. Those guys make such a big difference on the football field. Mm-hmm. That would be lovely to see in the second level. You know, like we got a good, we might have a phenomenal defensive line brewing between the five that we mentioned Wilkins, Davis, Godshaw, Siler, Shaq Lawson, and Ogba. That might be a defensive line that, the, that we could really work with. Mm-hmm. And then I don't think Jerome Baker's going anywhere. No. Nope. Kyle Van Noy is the second oldest player on the team. Landon Roberts signed a one-year contract, and he's been playing well. But mm-hmm. we can add one more linebacker to that group, man. And if it was Micah Parsons, that's a that's a good point. But carry on. Yeah. So, Sorry. so him, I would honestly, if we even gave up a second-round pick to trade up for him, do it. Like he is one of two pieces we need to finish this up, right? right. Then with our second pick. It's probably going to be a little bit later. You might have to trade up a little bit for this one, too. Hopefully something can fall to you. We need a, a decent edge rusher. Like, or we, like, honestly, like, I want someone, obviously I want someone to that's elite that might be, like, slightly overlooked. Like, maybe maybe one of these guys will put on a gas mask or something. I don't know. Um, We need an edge rusher to finish it out that we could put on the other side of Agba. And like, even if it's like slightly better than Olivier Vernon, perfect. Like that'll, that'll complete what we need. And then after that, in the second round, if we didn't trade away both those picks, then let's look at getting a defensive tackle. Right. So between Davis, Godcha, Wilkins and Siler, you get another like fairly talented defensive tackle and you got depth. That's what that's that's what's going to be important for keeping this defensive line really stout, right? Cuz you could start rotating those guys in, you got depth. You guys are they're keeping those guys fresh all game. So then if we're if we're behind, they're not going to really be able to rely on the ground game very much cuz we still got a couple of good fresh interior defensive linemen messing them up and then Again, if we have Micah Parsons and Jerome Baker, which oh my gosh, would be so great. Um then we're we're cleaning up the running game. We're getting the ball back for our offense. 
right? I like it. And then maybe with the second second round pick, if we still have it again, um, then I get another edge rusher, right? Because I love rushing the passer, and I think it's great to have a healthy rotation of them too. Because then, you know, when you're up ahead, you can just relentlessly just rush the passer, rush the passer, rush the passer, just fresh people. Like, just have them. You could do some crazy creative stuff with a good amount of pass rushers if you've got the capability. And we can close out games and we cannot have these garbage time stats like how the Chargers were basically starting to come back this last game and how the Cardinals were kind of able to start coming back the last game or the game before yes. that, I mean. So I that's personally defense like wins championships. Defense wins championships. It's not as flashy. And then honestly, if you get those four things for me, right, you could blow the rest on offense players. I could care less. I will be elite. I'll probably get drunk really fast. Just <laughs> celebrating. But I, yeah. Yeah, I get it. I think um, I think it'd be really hard for the Dolphins organization to value defensive picks that high, especially if the defense is playing as good as it is right now. Mm-hmm. So I understand your reasoning behind it, Heggy, but in a, in a no expectations gang gang viewpoint, I don't see that happening. I think the <laughs> Dolphins are probably going to go 50-50 in the draft. If they... If if we're gonna really trust Chris Greer and company to do their job, um, I, I think that this team will probably start to address the draft fifty fifty because we're gonna need to improve. And I, I've said this a lot: there's always room for improvement at every position. So if someone's available, and then maybe this coincides with draft position, does not matter. The Dolphins should be at a point in the 2021 draft where they can draft the best player available throughout the whole draft. I don't like the idea of having to draft for need anymore. I think that we have an established team right now. And especially if this team goes, dare I say 11 and five, if this team goes 11 and five and we try to make a run at the playoffs, I think that's enough to say, Hey, lock up the guys that you think you want to return like Landon Roberts, et cetera. And then when you hit the draft, you get best player available, regardless of position, because then they can come in and make an impact on a team that's already established. Yep. And 11 and 5 is a high expectation gang gang number, Taylor, but that's okay. I'll let that one slide. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Um, That was just an example, by the way. I'm still sticking with my, I'm still sticking with my eight and eight. All right. All right. I like it. Um, But yeah, I I agree. Best position available would be great. And then, I mean, I also said all that, like not even addressing that we might pick up someone pretty awesome in free agency. Like we don't know. True. Like that. So that's actually kind of where I'm hoping we address more of our offense stuff. So that's that way we can do the front two. First two rounds defense loaded, but. Again, that's semantics, I suppose. Yeah, and I think I think what you mentioned on earlier, if we have 
a really good defensive line coach that is able to develop these players, you know, like Siler made a huge impact coming here. Raekwon Davis mm-hmm. is making a huge pe- impact on this team. Christian Wilkins has done phenomenal. That to me shows that we can develop drafted players on the defensive line. Whereas the other positions like wide receiver and running back might be better to be addressed in free agency. Mm-hmm. So I like that idea. I like that situation that we possibly might be in. Yeah. So one of the things I also like about Christian Wilkins is how much he loves Hamilton because I <laughs> love that play as well. If you guys haven't seen it, it's a modern day masterpiece. Like literally like you think about the Mona Lisa, right? And what it was to that, that time period. This is it. This is, this is the Mona Lisa except better. Cause it's funnier and it looks better, but I it sounds it. better. I digress. It's a bull. It's a bull. It's that actually that might go as a haggy hot take. Ooh. Even though it has nothing to do with <laughs> football. I'm going to put that as a haggy hot take. Love it. Love it. So you hear it here and you'll see it. See me talking and ranting about it. You're welcome. Twitter people. Hell yeah. Well, Heggy, the only question I have remaining for this here podcast is uh, what are you looking forward to seeing on Sunday against the Broncos? So my roommate is a big Broncos fan, and one of my other best friends um, is also a big Broncos fan. So if we just kind of like crush that team, then I'd be pretty happy with it. Um, I'd kind of consider going to that game a little bit, but uh, it's not going to be able to. It's not going to be able to work out. Yeah, tickets are very expensive. Very yeah. expensive, Denver, and they have always been. If you're going to go to a Denver game, get them right as they're released. Otherwise, the tickets are through the roof. And, and it's like two hundred thirty bucks for OK seats. Yeah, and Denver has an excellent home attendance record, even if they struggle. So. They're hard to get. Yeah. My wife is also a Broncos fan, so I'm kind of hoping for bragging rights in the house for the next year. My father-in-law is a Broncos fan as well, so it's going to be nice. And and I have a few co-workers that are Broncos fans, so might be making some money. Got to be wearing that Jake Long jersey to work. (laughs) Yeah. I don't wear Dolphins gear on game day. So far, the season's working out really well, by the way. Right, right. Not on game day, of course. Just just after the game. Right. So. so. Well, everybody, um, this is another installment of Midwestern Fins. And if you've listened this far, thank you very much. Want to bring light to our Charity of the Week? Haggy, you want to introduce Charity of the Week one more time? Yep. Operation Gratitude. You can find yes. them at operationgratitude.com. And they have a 100% score on Charity Critic, which is perfect. fantastic. The perfect score. They're just like the 1972 Miami Dolphins. I like that. There you go. Yeah. So give them a check. Give them a shout out. Um, get at us on the timeline. You can find me at Ballert78. And you can find Haggy at Hagler underscore Matt on Twitter. 
And of course, you can find us on any platform you want, Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, etc. So looking forward to seeing you guys and thanks for listening. See you next time. Yeah, pins up, baby. <laughs>